2: Five of the play clock and movement. Off the right side, but no flag blitz coming. Daniels missed him. Daniels tries to spin away, and Dalton is brought down sack all the way back to the Bears' territory. There was, Something happened on him.
3: There was confusion between uh, James Daniels and Sam Mustafer in terms of trying to signal when Andy Dalton was ready and understanding that that linebacker was walking up to the line of scrimmage, and he was the offensive line's responsibility. So no one
4: blocked him, and they set him free.
2: Snap back, four-man rush. Dalton stays in the pocket, looking. Now he leaves. He walks into Sack. Hit from behind, walked into it, nothing open downfield on a fourth down and one of the Vikings take over. So another chance for points taken off the board. Snapped out and out of the backfield to Damian Williams. The catch at the 22. Tiptoes the near sideline. He's bumped out of, out of bounds by Cameron Dansler and then hit out of bounds after that. I thought for a moment they were going to throw the flag. He went to his pocket, but he didn't pull it. And the Bears are fourth down and one at the 13. Here's the fake handoff there, rolling the pocket to the near side. Now a throwback. First side. Dirty catch. It's Allen Robinson. The catch at the 23 yard line. of the Minnesota Vikings had a first down. Nice play design and a nice grab by Robinson. Had to go Low to get it on the far side of the field and Allen Robinson in his 100th game has a catch for a 100th consecutive game. Here's the snap. He drops into coverage, but pressure coming. Cousins keeps the pocket clean. Open man, middle of the field. It's a touchdown. Parsett Smith got behind everybody, beat Eddie Jackson to the end zone, and a 44-yard strike from Kirk Cousins. Snap, Dalton, looking at throw. Nice cut buck by Mike Montgomery. In trouble, Dalton, be chased got from late. behind, and dropped at the 15. Again, what I don't understand, while you're looking and throwing, as a vet, gotta get rid of the football and avoid those big sacks. If you're not getting the touchdown on your throw, they're down at the one. Third down, here's Cousins on the bootleg right. Stops, looking to pop, pressure coming. Hit as he throws, downfield. Eddie Jackson gives up Justin Jefferson in the end zone for the touchdown. Got tangled with him, throws it up for the jump ball, right corner of the end zone. Vikings an extra point away from tying the game play fake Cousins sets up the throw with all kinds of time a lob to the left corner of the end zone diving catch for the touchdown K.J. Osborne for six nobody near him Osborne again running to an area Cousins laying it in there beautifully and the Vikings have taken the lead and now,
0: it's time for the Scores Post Game Show with Molly from the Mully and Haw Show and former Bears long-snapping Iron Man, Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670, The Score, presented by MailMedChicago.com, where a full head of hair scores every time.
5: Oh, yes, indeed, it's the postgame show, and I guess the only good news, Patrick, is it's the last one. Holy guacamole, was that painful to watch.
6: Oh, it was. and Thank God it's over, man. But the thing is, that <laughs> summed up the entire season. The whole game summed up the entire season. Let's start with this, right? The Bears this season averaged around 18 points a game. What do they score? 17. Mm. The defensive of backfield at the beginning of the year is the Rams. What happened to them? Busted coverages. What happens to the game today? Busted coverages. And to me, it's also, it, it sums up the halftime adjustments that the bears were not able to do this year or doing the Matt Nagy era Well, this year, really. And they come out and the Minnesota makes adjustments, makes it full of our, our defense in the second half. The first half, I think they forced three, three and outs, which was impressive. And then they go making adjustments. The bears don't, and this is what we have. And then we have the fourth and one situations, the red zone oh. situations that are just, yeah, you got your hands on your head right now. And that's just exactly what I did. It got so bad. I started openly laughing and my dog here at home, Didn't know what was going on. I mean, it was just that bad that it was laughable. But again, Molly, this sums up the entire year. So in pregame, I said the score was going to be 31-17. Thought the Bears were going to be the ones (laughs) to do that. And I was like, all right, maybe that leaves you a good taste in your mouth. Let Matt Nagy and his crew get out of here and we find something new. Well, no, actually, this makes me feel a little bit better because they had the two-game win streak last year. They had their win streak at the end of the year after losing six and the same kind of thing here. But now it's just a reminder to us and all fans – this is exactly who they are. Those last two weeks that we saw against Seattle and New York, they played really bad teams. And this is just what happened. That they went out there and they did exa- they played exactly like who they are. And it became funny. I honestly, I was laughing out loud, and that's sad. I mean, I'm a former player and all that stuff, and you you have this pride for them. And it's really sad that I was laughing out loud at my old team. And I'm like, what? You can't do that. But it was. It's just three fourth and ones, and you and you pass the ball, two of them you get sacked. One of them you throw a pick six. I mean, you, you can't script it any worse. And that's exactly – maybe that's the fun he was talking about they were going to have.
5: My son popped his head in at one point. He said, what's going on? I said, fourth and sacked. <laughs> I, 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 what is that? It's what? just awful.
6: Uh, uh, oh. But you're going to confuse guess... them the third time. You're going to get them the third time. They're not oh, going to expect it. Oh, good God. Then you throw a pick six.
5: Oh, my goodness gracious, you know. It, it ah. just didn't make an ounce of sense. There's There's no way – that you could look at that game. And, you know, I didn't bet the game. I don't bet the games much. I mean, very rarely. It it was, I believe, three in the hook. So mm-hmm. it's it's three and a half points. And I have a friend who has money on it. He keeps texting me. Like, why won't he take a field goal? Why won't he take a field goal? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, because he's uh, not you. You know, let the no, guy call right. his game. And, and he at one point texted me that he was holding his tongue rather than swallow it because <sighs> it was insane that they were turning down nine points or whatever the heck it was. And now they all of a sudden they fall behind, and now they're trailing, and now it's thirty-one to seventeen. What? You gotta be kidding me!
6: It, it sums it up, though, right? I mean, that's exactly yep. what the Bears yep. were all year, and it actually yes. now that I look at it, maybe it'll a little, little more level-headed, it leaves you with a, a better feeling of what's coming next. All right, fine. Thank you. Get out of here, Matt. It's over. Next group, come in. Let's work on what we have here. Let's see if we can fix this. But uh, it just shoved it down our throat today of, of yep. who the Bears have been the last few years.
5: Was that fun? Didn't he say he was going to have fun? That's, what was fun about that? There was no fun watching that. It was awful. No,
6: no, it was just, just, just horrible. But he did say Bill Lazor was calling the plays, so he put it on Bill Lazor, unless he was saying <laughs> the fun was going to be that he was going to call a couple plays and they were the fourth down plays.
5: Oh, boy, yeah. It, oh. it was just an awful finish to a really depressing uh, season. Uh, yeah, the Bears, they end up with 11 losses. They couldn't stop at 10. Uh, his career record now is 34 and 31. He was open for the 35 and 0, and uh, it's still a winning record, but it's uh, it's pretty deflating how um, how this thing started. Um, you had a great year in 2018, and it's just been you know a series of you know a couple 500 seasons mm-hmm. followed by uh, you know a, a terrible losing season, 6 and 11 season. Very difficult to look at it and think the change isn't inevitable. I think we knew that going in, but he can't even make the argument. Now you can't no. even hold up because that was a really pathetic way to finish the season. It was just bad. It was a clown show.
6: Let me ask you this. What are the, so now the game's over because I never cared after a game. Does he go yeah. and speak at the podium? Yeah. Yeah. Or can he, he turn be... that down and be like, no, I'm, I'm um, fired.
5: I, <laughs> I believe he's, I believe he's contractually obligated to speak oh, by the, the NFL. Game. Okay. Yeah. Now okay. I, I think John Fox he had, uh, actually his last game with the bears came um in minnesota and i believe he came out for 70 seconds he came <laughs> out and he basically said uh something about the game and then he was asked a question of how it went down and he said that he was obliged to talk but only yeah. about the game and then he was asked another question and he said see you later and well, off he went so that was that was 70 seconds and I think Matt might talk longer. I don't know. I, I don't I know guess, yes. what would the point be, but you know, I'm sure there's things that he wants to say and messages he wants to send out. Um, who knows? It, it's yeah. when do they? You know, the question now becomes, you know, do do you tell him tonight, or do you? Does he know already? He said he didn't know and he hadn't been told. Does someone mention it to him, or does he go in? To work tomorrow, and and is told, oh, by the way, bring a couple of boxes with you because you're going to want to get your belongings. Um, I I don't know how that will work. I don't know if they're going to tell us tomorrow at some sort of a news conference that uh, that Ryan Pace is back or how they're going to handle that. I mean, it, all that's interesting now is sort of the um, that you know just kind of the weird way they'll go mm-hmm. about handling whatever it is that they have to announce to us.
6: So what's the normal protocol? When would you find out or when will we find out um, when there'll be a press conference, all that kind of stuff? Is that come so, out this afternoon or tomorrow so morning? So with, with
5: with Mike Ditka, they they made him um kind of just hang in the wind. You know, they let him sit there for a week. I believe Michael McCaskey was the team president at the time and he went on oh, a wow. ski vacation and came back and fired the coach. Um as I recall, with, um, I'm just trying to think of, the, you know, there's been so many weird moments with the Bears. Uh, Dave Wanstead knew that mm-hmm. uh, that he was fired that after the game. I mean, he, I, I remember talking to Dave uh, before I went to write my story. I kind of hung around downstairs and he said, yeah, you know, basically that he was going to be, uh, you know, they would have a, a thing tomorrow where they would announce it. Um, so who followed from Wani? Was that Dick Geron? Yep. You know that? Dick yes. found out on the plane ride home, right? New. Yeah. Uh, and Olin wanted well, to I'll I'll know. tell you
6: this. Actually, on that plane ride home, I don't know if I've ever shared this, I was sitting close to Jerry Angelo, and I got up to go to the bathroom, and I look over his shoulder, and I saw the speech. He was writing a speech out about Coach Geron oh, wow. being fired. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, now it is official. <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah. That, so
6: that's I, how I, I found out. I told some other yeah. guys on the plane, and that's how I think that whole – I think we all knew, but yes. it was official when I saw him, you know, sitting in a seat kind of hunched over and I saw, you know, he was writing his speech up for the next day of saying, you're fired. And I was like, Oh right. man, now it is real, but you knew it. But when you see that happening, yeah. The writing yeah, was th- on the wall.
5: <laughs> I think everybody kind of knew. Um, I, and I'm trying to remember uh, with Lovey, how they handled that. I think it was the same type of situation. It I was. Everyone, we all knew. Yeah. We all knew. Everyone yeah. knew. Um, yep. And then Mark Trestman, that was just such a. Um, I mean, that I've never, I've never seen things deteriorate in quite. That was like it turned into some like strange comedy of manners where doors were slamming and something would happen over here. Yes. It was just, it was absurd. I, I mean, it was theater of the absurd. But I, I think, like right now, everybody kind of knows, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think that there is. I don't think there's a shock move or a surprise move or any way of saving anything or changing anything. I think it's it's all kind of out there. I would be I will be very curious to see how they go about the explanation of of yes. sort of the separation of the the kind of collaborators, the intertwined, you know, how did they pry that thing apart mm-hmm. to determine that they were different people? I'll be very curious to see how they explain that if they can explain that but yeah it it is you know it's and and Mike Zimmer's probably in trouble yeah. and you it, it, there were there were times when you watched that game where you thought wow oh Minnesota's quit they're not really going to play <laughs> right. for the guy right and and um you know it it ended up being a fairly uh easy win for the Vikings so i, I don't think that changes Mike Zimmer's fate but it'll be very curious you know tomorrow they call it black monday for a reason because that that's where everybody you know the the uh the turk comes for coaches and uh it, it's pretty um dramatic sometimes and you know we'll see a lot of coaches get their their walking papers and then there'll be another one that'll happen that is yes. totally unexpected always. you never there's always one kind of outside thing and then you know we'll be making up lists and we'll be watching candidates go other places and you'll be worried that they've they're going too slow or they didn't <laughs> right. go fast enough they went too fast like they'll never be kind of a satisfactory ending to any of it
6: yeah i'm just interested to see how they deliver the message to us as the right. media the fans who's in front again is it just george and is it just ted or is it just george is it george ted and 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 pace like that that's the thing i'm really interested in seeing is how how the message is delivered to the fans and us and the media that uh, the direction they're going to go and who's going to go where and how they're going to do it. I want to know really who's talking and it, I just hope they learned something after last year, but I'm not certain they did.
5: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. It, it is. I mean, this is like a social experiment. This is fascinating <laughs> to see what they're going to say. I, I mm-hmm. can't wait to find out exactly how they're going to explain it or how they're going to duck the question, I, I I think that I would imagine, and this is just me, I think they're going to come up, come at you in number, because they don't want just one person having to take all the heat. So they'll spread it around a little bit, and you know that's that's one of the ways that Ryan Pace has sort of avoided any kind of accountability. Like no one asks him specifically about his plan, because oftentimes when he appears, he's sitting with the coach right. and. You know, when he talks around the draft, he he does a great job of explaining, guys, it's sensitive. I can't answer it. Right. Questions. Yeah. He's secretive understand. because it's <laughs>
6: secret draft info. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
5: So so, so it's uh, it's comical to a certain extent. But, you know, I mean, listen, I feel bad for for all the people that are going through this today and all the people around the league that will be going through this tomorrow. I, I, I take no um, you know, there's, there's it's not like you take any joy and seeing the end of an administration or things, because ultimately it's, it, it, you know, the reason you're let go is because you failed. Yes. And and, and that's hard for people that, you know, live and die with the team. And they're, you know, there, there's a feeling there's no accountability. And then there's going to be at least some limited accountability, but I don't know that anyone's going to be
6: satisfied. No, I agree. But you got to think about all these coaches too, that are on the staff. They've been fired before. So I I don't know how many have not been fired. And if they are, they're very, very young and then they're learning and then they really just don't know what's going on. But all these coaches know, you know, the wives are asking, the family's asking, they probably sit around the dinner table. Dad, what's the word? Right. Yeah, we're probably out. Okay, we'll do it again. Do we have any idea where we're going? Well, so coach, so-and-so has been calling, maybe here, maybe there. Do you want to go back to college? Do you want to get into this? Do you have opportunity to go somewhere else? But they've been there before. They've done it before. So um, you know, it is unfortunate you get fired, but it, like I've always said, like, if you're going to be a coach, you better buy a house that's on wheels. Cause it's just yep. going to happen. That's yep. just, what's going to happen is part of it and, uh, wish them all the best. Hope of them, um, they get to maybe in a better situation or learn and grow from this. Some of them will maybe Sean DeSai. maybe even Matt Nagy, but, uh, it is what it is. But again, Molly, it just summed up the entire season, that game yep. of watching all the problems the bears had couldn't get over it. And the other one is you sold me that Andy Dalton was going to be that good of a quarterback and be help your team get to the playoffs. Wow. What we saw the last couple weeks, what I saw today, the, the errant throws the fourth, uh, the, the one fourth down or where they took the sack and he took the snap too early. Oh. You got to just bang a timeout. You got to know the situation. If you're the veteran quarterback, just hit a timeout in that situation and understand you're all discombobulated. and You don't know when to snap the ball. I just, that to me, again, sums up Ryan Pace's problem with the quarterback position and the argument that having Andy Dalton out there, you would have had more wins. There's just no way. I just, I just that showed it right there that he's just not that good of a quarterback. How different is he than Nick Foles? What we saw from Nick Foles a couple of weeks ago. Right. I don't think there was a difference. I don't know yep. why you went and got Nick Foles 2.0 or 1.8, maybe a little bit less than him. That you know that that, that you brought in. That's just another problem with the with Ryan Pace and his staff as well.
5: Yeah, and I, and I mean, listen, you know, there there may have been it might've been a little crazy on some of those fourth downs. I, I don't understand if you're at the one yard line, why, I, why are you retreating? I, you know, get rid of the damn ball, Let make them backed up on their goal. line. what are you doing? getting sacked on the 14 yeah. or whatever it was. That that just, you literally sit. You, you're just watching this. Like it's almost a joke. It, it almost was like somebody was having at you with it. It didn't make mm-hmm. an ounce of sense. And, no. um, I, you know, I listen, I never understood the Andy Dalton thing. My problem with Andy Dalton is if, if he was so good, why weren't you going after him the year before? Right. And then I had heard that they were going to uh, go get Fitz, uh, Fitzmagic, and then they didn't do that. He signed somewhere else, and then they immediately signed Andy Dalton. It, the whole thing just didn't work for me. I, I, I just thought it was goofy, and um, I don't know. I It's I mean, over. It's, it's over. over, and thank God it's over, because there was a part of me, even as we, you know, said goodbye, and I thought to myself, like, God, I'm going to miss, this is a great Sunday routine, and I love watching these games. By about, you know, when they started, to, I was literally like, I, It just, it's so frustrating, and yep. it's so beyond belief. Like, how are you thinking like this? Take the field goal. Like, it, it was just so dumb that they wouldn't do that, and it just made no sense to me. And then, you know, they end up with the 14 points, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe they're, maybe they're going to score some points. They can't score points, so you've you got to take points where you can get them, and they can't do that. Oh, goodness, it's just
6: yeah, crazy. It just, it just it summed it up, it's, and it's over. Thank goodness. I just I hope somehow, some way somebody is holding their hand over Hallis Hall and the McCaskies or something and says, you're going to get this one, right. You know, I just hope they can figure this one out because they haven't in the last couple decades. And I just, I don't, I don't have my trust in them. I'm just hoping they luck it out maybe and and figure this out. And we hear some great story on Monday of, of of the direction they're going to go and they can hire the right people.
5: Yeah. I mean that that's the dream, isn't it? Yes. I mean, again, you have, you have, Visited the sausage factory. You uh-huh. have opened the hood and looked at the engine. <laughs> to your horror, I, I think that's part of the problem. When you when you you know know it's not a Rolex and that there's nothing inside the thing, <laughs> right. it might look good, but I don't know. It's not ticking.
6: Yeah, no, it's just it, it is what it is. But let's just hope they get it right this time.
5: Well, we got a ton of people that want to check yes. in, and we're going to get to everybody's phone call. We should let you know that the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. Let's talk it over. Let's get through it. Let's uh, let somehow deal with this ourselves. If there is any breaking news coming out of the locker room, we will certainly share it with you. And uh, we'll start uh, this afternoon with Stephen. He's in Columbus. Hey, Stephen.
7: Hey, guys. Boy, I tell you, Matt Nagy certainly did it his way, huh? Yeah, he did. What a a garbage and what a POS loser. And I am so glad that this man is finally going to get the boot that he deserves. He did it his way, and obviously we saw the results. Fourth down three or four times. He didn't even bother running the ball. And we saw that one time, I believe in the first half, Montgomery was peed. On the sideline, Yeah, Yeah, I mean – what is his problem, for God's sakes? My goodness. Listen, he wanted Dalton to somehow bail out him in this season while trying to buy buy time for, for what was supposed to be his do-or-die season. And I tell you, Dalton let him down mercifully, and now Nagy is going to pay the price. Listen. I know Matt Nagy might be a nice guy and all that stuff. But one thing that always bothered me, and I'm not going to get into the football details part, maybe you guys probably didn't care much about it, is when his son, if you remember, was being taunted just yep. before Thanksgiving when the, his firing came out, if you remember, yep. right?
6: Yep, yep, yep.
7: And he was at the game. Yes. Yes he pretended that he didn't hear anything about it. To me, that really bothered me, you know. I'm sure you guys probably wouldn't care much about other people's family issues and all that kind of stuff, but the fact that people out there bringing your family into this nonsense that you guys were talking about how these coaches obviously have families to feed and everything, and they still have to deal with the, um, you know, the stigma of being fired, and Nagy well, didn't even step up for that, and that Stephen, really... what,
5: what would you want him to do, honestly? Mm-hmm. Would, would you want him to storm out or to? take a swing at a high school kid i mean what what is no, it Did no, you no,
7: no, that's it? not it i wanted him to at least say you don't bring my family into this nonsense i take 100 yeah. responsibility for everything that i do on the field you don't bring my family into this and i didn't hear that one bit and that's well, going to always something yeah. that bothered me i might be an idiot but hey no, I, i'll no. stick to that
5: I, I gotta tell you Stephen, i thought he handled it with great aplomb and class and i thought that um you know, he didn't get angry about it. He ended up signing autographs for some of the people that were chanting, uh, "You know, fire Nagy." The the school handled it. They handled yeah. it pretty well, and they went after the kids and told them at the time, and then told them afterward, and they announced that they were embarrassed by it. I thought they did a good job of it. I don't, I don't know what he was supposed to do, Patrick. I, I think. Yeah,
6: that's that's a tough. It's one. hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, what I thought he did, I understand everybody's going to react differently to that situation. Somebody might take a swing. Somebody might say what Steven said, but he diffused the situation. I think he took the, he took it off his son. He took it off the the situation and, and got it over with. And that's what I think was, what was important to me is that you, that's how he got his family out of it. He he took care of it. Media stopped covering it, stopped being tweeted and all that kind of stuff. And he diffused the situation. And I, I, I think he handled it his way. He handled it the way he wanted to handle it. And he got the situation done and over with. So I, he did a fine job in my eyes. But everybody has their right to handle it differently. But, you know, he did it his way. And he got what I think he wanted done to be done. It diffused, gone, you know, nobody's talking about it anymore. Unless right. we're talking, talking now after yeah. Week 17's game.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's the, that, is the, that is the least reason to yeah. fire him or to move on from his administration. Whatever way you want to put yes. it. That That is not a reason at all. So... Uh, we will uh, we'll get back to the phone lines. We're going to take all your calls. 312-644-6767. You are listening to the postgame show. It's sponsored by MalmedChicago.com, where a full head of hair scores every time.
8: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.
2: This is it. Players coming off the sidelines. And the 2021 season ends for the Chicago Bears in a 31-17 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Despite a 14-0 Bears lead, the Vikings poured it on, outscoring the Bears 31-3 the rest of the way.
0: We're back with more of the Scores Post Game Show with Mully from the Mully and Hawes Show and former Bears long-snapping Ironman Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670 to Score. Presented by MailMedChicago.com where a full head of hair scores every time.
5: Oh, yes, indeed. It is the post-game show and, uh, and it is exactly what we thought it would be. We have seen uh, this before. We've seen it often this season and... You know, it's no shock when the quarterback is kind of overwhelmed. It's no shock when the coverage breaks down pretty poorly, especially late in games. And, uh, and we've seen a lot of bad play calls, and we've seen a lot of dumb <laughs> fourth down uh, decisions. And pretty much, you know, they, they batted for average, right? They just kind of did what they've been doing.
6: They did. They just gave us what we've seen for the last two or three years. It's just, yeah. it was ugly. But, Molly, I was thinking about last games of the season. Listening to some of those quotes and reading some Twitter during there that, you know, talking about what's the offseason is going to be like. And one of the things I always remember is after the last games like this is you walked by the training room, and the poor guys that were in the training room that potentially or maybe got injured in that last game, that they had to get ready for rehab or surgery or things like that after the season, you felt terrible for them. You're like, oh, no, they got hurt the last game. There's some guys that know they're going to get surgery. They might have a shoulder or knee or something, a cleanup thing. But the ones that get hurt in the very last meaningless game that it's something where they have to get surgery and it changes their off season because these off season for these guys, they're, they're so important. And I think Darnell Mooney said he and uh, Justin Fields are starting tomorrow to get there. I'm like, they're not going to start tomorrow. Guys don't start tomorrow. Take a week off or something, relax, (laughs) get away from it. But these off seasons are so important for these players because if you're not injured, you're, you get ahead of the game. You get, you get back in the weight room on time. You can get your strength, right. You can, you can, you know, get yourself feeling better, quicker, you know, if you're injured and you've got to get a surgery, you're behind the eight ball. You know, you, you you're gonna lose your strength. Right. You've got to deal with the injury of, of whatever you're rehabbing. It's just not the same. So I always felt bad for guys that were in the training room that got hurt that last game. And I have one quick story. Shane Matthews, I forgot what last game it was, he was our quarterback. We were in Detroit, I think it was, and he broke his thumb. And this Ugh. is when I was young. Yeah. And he he was devastated. I'm like, oh dude, it's only like you know, six weeks, eight weeks, you'll be back. He's like, I had a tea time set up for next week and now I can't golf. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I didn't think about it. this Is before I really got into golf. And I'm like, that makes sense though. But you know, it's just, I just, those are the stories that I think about, but it is important for these guys to hopefully get through this game healthy and they can get themselves right for next year quicker and not have to come off a of rehab.
5: How, how would you handle the end of a season? I mean, I, I, every year you want to mm-hmm. get better, but did you give yourself you mentioned take a week off. Yeah. Did two you weeks. just unplug for a couple two weeks. weeks? Two, two weeks, weeks. Didn't hit yeah. the
6: weight room. Um, would do treatment things, hot tub, cold tub, but I would not hit yeah. the weight room. I would just kind of give myself a complete mental refresh, obviously from the field, long snapping, trying to be perfect on every play and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and then give myself a physical refresh of not going in the weight room. And then every year after two weeks, I would start up kind of from ground zero uh, of, of working out, not get into it super hard, but just get myself back into the physical shape to really get into it hard again but uh, I know everybody does it differently um, but I think most of the guys will step away for at least two weeks just to you need a mental refresh and, yes. and the physical yes. refresh is, is the most important thing for me but the mental thing that gets you recharged and then there's a point where maybe nine ten days I would start itching and be like I got to get back in there and I'm like you got all time all this time off just just really take the time to get away um, and just just get a mental refresh and that is just super important for these guys.
5: Yeah, that's great advice. Let's uh, let's get back to the phone lines, 312-644-6767. Chris is in Evanston. Hey, Chris.
10: Hey, what's going on, y'all? First of all, I just want to say, man, you know, I grew up in a town, but I'm out here in Jacksonville, Florida now, man. So, y'all keep me grounded listening to y'all every week before and after the game. Uh, you know, my day's off. I listen to y'all during the season, and, you know, it keeps me grounded back home. So I just want to man. share that with y'all uh, as far as today. Man, this is what everybody's been saying, man. It's four years of Matt Nagy, a fitting end. It's what we've seen for four years. Uh, I, I mean, he showed three weeks ago, hey, I'm going to go for it on fourth down. I don't care. I'm going to go for two, all that stuff. I don't have a problem with that. What the problem is, is that you got this veteran quarterback out there looking like a rookie, not knowing, hey, it's fourth down. I can't take a sack knowing this fourth down, hey, I've taken three, four sacks. Let me me throw this up in a triple coverage. I mean, what's the point of going out getting a 10-year veteran if that's how you're going to play? And the worst part of it is that I put on the coaching is, you knew three weeks ago, you're going for two. You're going for every fourth down. So there's absolutely no excuse for Andy Dalton to have done the things he did today on fourth down. He played worse and worse as the year went on. I was one of the guys saying, hey, Andy Dalton's our starter. Andy Dalton's our starter. Man, we might have won two games this year the way Andy Dalton played. So, I mean, that's just my thoughts on it, man. I would love to hear what you guys think about what we need to do in the offseason. I don't want to be an all-offensive team and we we giving up 35 points a game. Just I uh, would love to hear what you guys got to say. Hey,
6: Thanks, Chris, Chris. I appreciate, Chris, I appreciate you calling in. Are you still? Uh, I want to hear your thoughts, actually, as a Bears fan. Where do you feel going forward with where they are, with the way Ryan Pace has this roster set up of maybe some of the limitations, or are you excited about Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, Roquan Smith, and guys like that? I mean, I'm a, I'm
10: a Bears fan. I'm a fan at heart, so I have a level of bias in me. You know, I'm always going to be excited for the guys that are out there that I know can play ball. The problem is is that, like you said, we, we, we've been doing this forever. we got an ineptitude of getting the right guys in there to, to make the pieces work. Now, you just imagine if Mitch Trubisky even – had a Mike Shanahan type, which is what I think Justin Field needs. Yes. You know, you don't have to be great if everything is play action, roll out, move in pocket. You don't have to be great. Look at Kirk Cousins. What was the difference in the game today? They showed his stats throughout his career. Their defense was terrible. Mm-hmm. Their highest ranked portion of their defense they showed was like twenty seventh. But they don't turn the ball over. You know, you gotta put you gotta put the pieces in the right position to win and, and that's that's what I want. Whether it's Whether it's Pace, whoever, you got to get a coach that's going to build around the weapons that we have. We have a mobile quarterback with a big arm. We have one of the best running backs in the league. If you build around that, great things can happen sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, like we all know, we Chicago Bears fans, how long has it been since we we can really believe in that happening?
5: Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, You know, I don't know if you saw earlier this week that – Charles Leno Jr. got a new contract. He signed a contract extension. He's played well enough in Washington to get paid, and uh, and the Bears are still trying to figure out uh, their their offensive line. Olin had a, a fascinating suggestion that perhaps they go out and they um and they try to get the best offensive uh, tackle they can get, and then they move Borum inside, Tevin Jenkins outside. That's your right side of the line, and then you figure out what you're doing with James Daniels, if he's the center, if he's uh not gonna be brought back, and you have white hair there, and all of a sudden you start thinking about the size of that kind of a of an offensive yeah. line. And you're and you're you know, you're helping your running back. And then you run some play action and you're helping your quarterback. It just seems like there's a way to get better in a hurry on offense if they were to invest something like that. But they're not going to do it with Matt Nagy, obviously. He doesn't want to run that. He doesn't want to run the ball. I mm-hmm. mean, you saw it even on fourth down. They don't want to run the ball. Even on fourth and short, they're more interested in, in trying to do something kind of unexpected. You know, even on their, um, on their uh, two-point conversion, right? They're, they're throwing some inside. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, look, it, we've seen it over and over and over again. It's not shocking. It's not anything that should surprise you. It, yeah. We know how he approached things and what he wanted and the people working for him. were all, you know, look at, looked at the pocket, uh, looked at the game through the pocket. We're all quarterback guys.
6: Yeah. And it's just, it was interesting to hear Chris Chris, thanks for calling all, all year long, but you know, I just wanted to ask a, a bears fan. He sounds like he's very knowledgeable. And he yeah. gave the answer. He gave the answer. Yes. We all kind of give, but he gave, he, he just, he, he put it succinctly like what he wanted to see. And I think he had the right answer there. And here's what I think is the next coach, you need to be of a coach that can adapt to Justin Fields and or your system. And what I mean by that is not force feed your system like Matt Nagy does. Let the kid grow in like what he was talking about, a Shanahan style offense or something where he's comfortable, where it's not too complex. He's a dynamic athlete, right? He's got a darn good arm. Yes, he still needs to learn progressions and reading defenses, but help him out. And it didn't seem like Matt Nagy was willing to do that. And to me, that's whoever's making that decision of that coach you need to find that person that can take a young quarterback with the talent of Justin Fields and try to groom him to see if he can become elite. And I just hope that happens. And it's just um, I, I – we'll, we'll find out in the future. I think everybody's always asked this, Mully. Did this hurt Justin Fields' right. development of what right. he had to go through? I hope not. I think he's I think he's a smart enough, intelligent enough young man, even when he gave that backhanded compliment to Matt Nagy about <laughs> he coached me to the best of his ability. Was, did he mean that, or was that just kind of a – you know, slip of the tongue of what he wanted to mean. But I, I, th- I think he can learn from Matt Nagy. You take what you can use for your development and throw out the rest of the garbage and say, that stuff does not work for me. And let's just hope this doesn't hurt him. And and, and, and I hope it doesn't.
5: Let's try Lewis. Lewis is in Wheaton. Hey, Lewis. Hey, guys, what's going on? Um, I actually have a bit of an open letter to read about uh, everything
4: wrong here. I'm writing and recording this on. I'll be quick. I'm writing and recording this on January 8, 2022, one day before the Bears' season finale against the Vikings. I'm coming to you as a frustrated fan who's followed this team since he was nine years old. One of my favorite memories is the first Bears game I ever attended, the Thursday night game against the Saints in 2008. I watched Daniel Manning return the opening kickoff for a touchdown, the game go to overtime, and the Bears win in a do-or-die situation with the playoff berth on the line against Drew Brees and the Saints. I want you to know this about me because this is coming from a place of hurt and frustration. I do not understand how you have allowed your grandfather's team to stumble into such mediocrity. Rather than fix the main issue of this team, a lack of football knowledge at the top, you have chosen to ignore it. Before you were promoted to CEO, you were the head of the ticketing department, and you continued to employ Ted Phillips, an accountant, as your head of football operations, despite the team's repeated struggles. I understand that Ted is stepping away from football ops, but this is over a decade overdue. I believe you care, Mr. McCaskey, so why have you allowed this to continue? You have multiple former players whom have continued to have success after they played football and would love to help. You have Gary Fensick, one of the captains from the 1985 Super Bowl team, whom is a current season ticket holder and is currently a senior partner at the Adams Street Investment Firm in Chicago. You have Owen Krutz, Lance Briggs, and Patrick Manley, who are now analysts on the Bears post-game shows. These are three, four of the numerous players whom I am sure would be more than happy to share their knowledge and work with you. They would be valuable members of your organization and have the business and football knowledge to be solid long-term members of your front office, or at the very least be contracted consultants. Fensick would make an excellent president of football ops. He's a Yale graduate with an MBA and a knowledge, of now, a knowledge of football that can only come from captaining the 1985 Bears defense and winning the team's lone Super Bowl, as well as conversing with your grandfather while he was still alive. As far as I know, you have not even asked his input on how to fix this franchise. That may be the most egregious part of this debacle. You have all the tools to be successful, but you are either too stubborn or too stupid to use them. It has now come to light that you offered Olin Cruz a consulting role on the offensive line for minimum wage. That is insulting and leads me to believe that you are much worse. You are too cheap to make this team great.
5: Okay.
6: Thank you, Lewis. I think that would be co-signed by a lot of Chicago Bears fans.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I think think a lot of people ought to write their own letter. I mean, I, I don't think there's ever anything wrong with writing an actual letter. And, um, you know, I I think that there is value in expressing an opinion when you're that frustrated by it.
6: Sure. And doesn't George supposedly answer most of them that he gets? I
5: think he answers some letters, yeah. 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 I'd be curious to see what he would do. I wouldn't I, – I. you know, I think George is a, is a sincere guy. And I yes. think George really wants to be great, and he wants the Bears to be great. I just yeah. think sometimes that it, that's a, an easier said than done thing. And you – you may trust people around you more than you trust what you are uh, seeing from them. And I, you know, I don't know where, maybe you do Pat, how, how much does he talk to guys around the league? How close is he to other people in ownership around the league and how does he communicate? I know that the McCaskies generally speaking have been close to the Roonies over the years and certainly his grandfather was very close with, uh, with, uh, uh um, the oldest Rooney, who was that? I can't, my Art. mind is shut. Who?
6: Art Rooney. Art Rooney. Excuse
5: yeah. me. God, how, how could I have <laughs> lost that? Um, but, I mean, like, Dan Rooney was close with Virginia. Dan Rooney is one of the best guys out there. Um, is it Art uh, Jr. or Art the Third or whatever is now uh, doing stuff with the team? I, I just wonder how much you're tapping into – you know, if it's the if it's the the Maras and the in the Roonies, and if there's an old guard, then you should be in
6: contact with them and I hope he is. That that's what I'm guessing is going on. Yeah. But does he need to be in contact with some of the new guard? The game yeah. has changed. You yes. know, Jerry Jones I I guarantee you he and Jerry Jones aren't sitting down having a beer. Like I just that that's probably not happening. You know what I mean? He has his circle of people, George is his way. And and I respect who he is. He's a very, you know, just straight-laced kind of guy. But there's a lot of these owners, I guarantee you, he gets in the room with, and they're going to be the last people he sits with to have dinner or lunch or whatever. And that maybe needs to be the person you need to talk to and say, hey, what are you doing out there in Dallas? Hey, what have you been doing out there in L.A.? What have you been doing out where, you know, whatever other organization that has a new, younger, or a newer, um, more aggressive, progressive, whatever you want to call them, um, ownership. But I do think... I don't know the answer because you asked me, do, do, who does he hang out? I don't know, but right. my guess would be the old guard, and that's who he's grown up with, been going to games you know, with forever. But maybe now it's time to start talking to some of these new guys that, that have figured things out, have gotten stadiums built and, 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 and are now winning and whatever, doing state-of-the-art thing or whatever it is, but just maybe get involved with them more.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Jerry Jones is a great example. That guy came into the NFL as a maverick and as a um, – He's
6: made the McCaskeys a lot of money.
5: He's made money for everyone. People, <laughs> yep. people were very, you know, kind of sideways glance toward Jerry Jones because he wasn't considered – some guy that had kind of come in with the old school. And what he did is he went through and made money in every way he could. And yep. then the league starts making more money. And then Jerry is helping out with your TV contracts. And guess what? Like Jerry world has made a fortune. If you're going to build a new building, if uh, if that's part of your thinking, why wouldn't you tap into that?
6: Sure. I just don't know if they socially, you know, yeah. Jerry's his own guy, man. Right. Oh, Everybody's seen the he's, stories of him and yeah, George is not that guy. George still yeah. drives a Honda Accord and and right. that's just the way he lives his life. So each his own, but you know, maybe it is time to start tapping into some of those resources you have right in front of you and their fellow owners.
5: Let's try. Uh, I believe we're uh, left with Sean here. Is Sean's in Evanston. Hey, Sean.
10: Yeah. Hi. Uh, I Listen, Molly, you got great stuff. Listen to you all the time. Um, I'm just, You know, tired of seeing the Bears have a couple good quarters then collapse after halftime. You know, last year, they just had really difficult times after halftime just being able to do their own thing, especially in the third quarter. And even this year, um, you know, they put up some decent first halves and, you know, no second-half adjustments, and their team kind of just falls apart. So, obviously, we're looking towards rebuilding, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on, what the team could do and how it could improve in that way.
5: I would have to start with the general manager and I would not promote him. I would move on from him. And I think that, you know, what they have to do in my opinion is get a football leader atop the organization, and if that hurts, and that means moving people out, and then you have to do it. So I would get the best, and I can think of a bunch of different guys. You know, I, I, I don't know that, uh, that John Harbaugh wants to leave uh, coaching, but I think that guy knows a lot about the game. I would hire a guy like that to come in as a president of football operation and and find one of the guys he worked with that he thought was a good picker of talent. And John was a, was a a special teams coordinator and he knows all sorts of people all over the league because he's gone against them and what works and what doesn't work. And then build an entire system starting at the top all the way down. So it's all working together. I don't understand kicking a guy upstairs and finding some golden parachute for him in case he doesn't work with the next guy. And then maybe we'll save $2 million by getting this coach. And he'll want to be here because we're the bi- I just think they're doing a lot of weird stuff. It should start at the top. Right at the top. If If you love what Ted Phillips has done. Then take Ted and have him run that building. Have him build a new building. Or mm-hmm. maybe they're maybe they're just maybe that whole thing is just to make the franchise more valuable and maybe they're looking to sell at some point. I have no idea. But I would I would definitely have a football person atop the entire structure of the team and and then and then have somebody bright enough, somebody successful enough to make the call at every level of the organization.
6: I, I, I agree with all of that. And the one thing, too, is the, the Ted Phillips, that um, he's been there long enough. To me, he's the head of that building. He is, he's the guy that's really making the decisions, and it's time for him to move over, move on, move out, say thank you very much for your time. Here's what it is. you just, We need you to retire from the Bears, or I don't know what it is. He just needs to stop being at the podium. He needs to stop being at the decision table when they pick the GM and the coaches and things like that. Like you said, find somebody to, to, to me is find somebody to replace him. Make that the position above, make a position above him. You know yeah. what I mean? That, that, that or if you yeah. want to keep him, make make him make somebody above him that's his boss. That he doesn't have to go sit in these meetings and interview people, that he doesn't have to sit in front of the, the Zoom or the media and answer questions. Put somebody above him to do that. John Harbaugh would be great. That's that's one I really never thought of. That's a guy that's you know, he's he's a lifer. You know, his dad's just, he's a, he's a foot. You're talking about football guy. That's a football guy. And he's a very smart guy. Been with a very good organization with the Ravens, understood how they've drafted well, how they've done well, how they win year in and year out. They win it with different quarterbacks. They went them with defense. They went them with offense. That would be a great call. But I think you need to hire somebody that is above Ted Phillips. that That's the answer there. That is truly the decision maker. Put it in his hands. And that would actually make it easier for George McCaskey. Then he's like, I don't make the decisions. I gave it to him. And then that's my final out. If it doesn't work out, then I'm done.
5: Yeah. I I, I mean, I, honest to God, I don't – you know, again, I think the thing about John that appeals to me is that he's young enough that he could grow old in that job. And he could handle Mm -hmm. anything that happens league-wide as you go forward. And, you know, that's a very good – organization that has done very well and he's done very well. And if he wants to hire his brother, I'd put a reality show of the two of them screaming at each other in the offices. I think it'd be the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Oh,
6: that would be a good hard knocks. <laughs>
5: <laughs> all right. We gotta get to another break. We're gonna get to all your calls. We're looking for ideas. How would you structure it? 312-644-6767. It is the post game show sponsored by MailMedChicago.com where a full head of hair scores every time.
11: For your own self, what what are your emotions right now? Well, yeah, it's uh, you know it, it's it's been a long year, but it's been a year that when you look back and you reflect on uh, where the players, how they've handled the situation, and how we've been through everything together. Um, you know you you sit here and you see their emotions in the locker room post game and you see their care and you see how they w- they want to be great and and as a coach, you love that about them so you know it 's uh, it's, it's an emotional day for all of us when, whenever you end the season and I just told them that i'm 'm proud of them as people um, that they can always look back and say that this season they they continued to fight and was it good enough record wise for us no it wasn 't and and we want to be better, but at the same point in time. Uh, hold your head high. Uh, learn where we can all get better, and then and then let's uh, focus on that. And know, do you
2: forward. do you look at that the same way for your own
11: self? Absolutely. You know, again, as you go through these these life experiences, you you use it to to make sure that it doesn't define you, and and it refines you. And I think when you do that, um, you know, you're it's it's. Uh, you become better in a lot of different areas We're
0: back with more of the scores post game show with mully from the mully and haw show and former bears long snapping iron Man patrick manley on sports radio 670 to score presented by MailMedChicago.com, where a full head of hair scores every time
5: yes indeed it's the post game show that's matt naggy that was him talking to uh Our our friends at WBBM right after the game, our sister station, WBBM, thanks for that. That was Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, talking to Matt Nagy. And he gave you like a really football coachy answer there. Um, Life experience doesn't define you. It refines you.
6: Yeah, that's just, I mean, that's, that's, that's a man on the way out. You give a life lesson at the end. I'm sure maybe something else was said, but, you know, maybe guys aren't talking about it, but uh, that's what it is. But we talked earlier in the pregame that what John Fox spoke for 70 seconds after yeah. his last game. Yeah, that's right. Well, I yeah. guess I just saw Nagy spoke for 16 minutes. Wow. You know, again, it's, it's good yeah. for him. But that's that's the thing is, you know, you read, I read the message screen, uh, text, Twitter, whatever. Yes, he's a nice man. That's great. That's awesome. But it's just time to move on. It is what it is. And, you know, he's always going to carry himself with class like he has since he's been here and, that's great, but, you know, this is a result, results-oriented business, and he just hasn't gotten it done. He was here to fix the offense. He didn't fix the offense. Um, but I did read something on Twitter. He talked about how he and Ryan Pace were a part of Justin Fields that brought him here, that he will be a franchise quarterback, and we were a part of that. So I guess he's tapping himself on the back on the way out, but we will see. Hopefully it works out for, our, for us. But if they are a part of that, thank you very much, and let's hope it works out.
5: Wow. Uh, okay, three one, two six, forty four, sixty seven, sixty seven. Kevin is in Naperville. Hey, Kevin.
12: Hey, guys, I got a couple comments and then I'll tell you really quickly how I think this uh, this organization needs to head. Um, first is the three, fourth and one plays. If there are a group of plays that don't define Matt Maggie's tenure here in Chicago, I don't know which ones are better than that one. Uh, and then in regards to Ryan Pace and whether or not he needs to to go, uh, you guys did a great job on the score playing this uh, snippet, and it sums everything up for him. That comment he made when he said, Mike Lennon is our quarterback and we're fired up. That there says he is not capable of building a good team. Um, you guys also mentioned bringing in somebody that, um, you know, has a football mind. There are organizations in Chicago that, you know, took a while to figure that out and did, and it's brought great success. One of the things I'll say is in regards to that is look at the Chicago Blackhawks. They were the worst ranked franchise in all of sports until they brought in Scotty Bowman and Scotty Bowman um, and Stan Bowman. And they built, you know, three Stanley cups in six years.
5: I think we're seeing it right now with the bulls. I I think that the changes they've made and the, the turnover of turnover of the roster, I think we're seeing that unfold in front of our eyes. Now I don't know that they're going to win a title out of this, but, man, they're so much more fun to watch and they've become kind of appointment radio, appointment television because it's worth investing in. I'm not sure the Bears are worth the trouble, frankly. I, I mean, I think we all do it. I think we all follow it. I think we, we grew up here and, and we know that, uh, that it's, you know, one town, one team, all that. But I got to tell you, are they worthy of it? They, they, mm-hmm. have, they have to hold up their end of it. And that's why people get so angry.
6: Yeah. There's no doubt about it. They have just, from the top of the bears, they've not been able to recognize talent and find talent to help them run this organization. And the question I have for you, and people were talking about, you know, Olin getting $15 an hour offered, are they willing to go out and spend the money on one of the top coaches out there that they really want? You know, if you, the top coach is probably going to get two to three offers, right? And well, he's either going to go you know, to the place where he feels the best fit and the money's kind of similar or do you go to the place where the most money's thrown at you? And that, are the built Bears willing to do that, whether it's a GM or a coach?
5: Well, I, I mean, the the Las Vegas Raiders would totally be interested in Jim Harbaugh because he yeah. coached there before. And, and, you know, I've talked to Michael Lombardi about it, about his relationship with Mark Davis. And, you know, Mark Davis has already paid John Gruden the, the – 10 year you know 100 million dollar offer right he already mm-hmm. he already made that deal so he's willing to give up that kind of money and they're now set in Vegas and probably pulling in money like crazy. Yeah. It's a little different than when it, when they had to get rid of uh, Khalil Mack because they didn't have cash in hand. So I think he would give that kind of contract. And if the Bears are a $4 billion business, if right. they're talking about building a new stadium and filling it up and having everybody go out there with them, of course they should spend that amount of money. Are they Are they ready to? Right. I. I mean, that is a. That is a great question. And and I. I think that we. You know what's what's really uh, damaging to them is th- something like that story that Olin told. Because huh. we see the Bears spend money on players. We see the mm-hmm. Bears go out and do some things. And it's not like they haven't watched guys walk out the door with eighteen and a half million who can't play quarterback right. in the NFL. Right. So they have given away bad money. They've they've made bad decisions. But the idea that they turned to a former Bear great and offered $15 <laughs> an hour, he's not making that up. You think Olin would ever make up anything like that? That's the most insulting thing I have ever heard. And, and we had a caller earlier who suggested you and Olin and and uh, and I believe, I believe Lance Briggs and and uh, Gary Fensick, is that $60 a week? I mean, I, I, I don't know what the hell they look at. I don't know no. what they're thinking.
6: No, and I've brought it up before too about the players, but it's just even the local ones here. Just even take us to lunch, just to have a dinner. Have a have a all right here once every six weeks, or once every once every month, or once every three games, or whatever. I just want to sit down and get your thoughts, so I have something more to bring to Ted Phillips, and or whether it's maybe just have it with Ted and George then they have something more to bring it to the football people. And they sound more intelligent. They get more educated. They see it through a different lens. That's, that's all I was saying. And Owen mentioned money and all that. Yeah, I understand you're going to put time and effort and you deserve to get paid. But I know there's good guys out there that would go just to have a two-hour lunch, just to talk through it and have a right. real honest discussion about this is what we see. I know when you get in House Hall, and I'm speaking as a player, when you get in House Hall, you're in a fortress. You don't listen to everything. You don't see everything. You see it your way. You see it the way it's been told to you, but if you get somebody from the outside who's been in there before and is a little honest with you, maybe that helps you become more of a football person. Maybe it helps you understand what's going on in the building and, and, and to ask the right questions of your coach, of your GM, and of your players, of your training staff, of your weight coach, all that kind of stuff. That's all I'm saying.
5: Well, I, I, you know, to me, they've got one of the great untapped assets out there. There, there. Are, you know the people that you're talking about, the guys that are local, the guys that played for the team, mm-hmm. the people that have settled down here. That is an unbelievable. That, why aren't you tapping into that? And as you say, have somebody for lunch, get to know some of these guys. Have like a regular type of thing mm-hmm. where where you can get information that you don't know to begin with. It seems so basic and easy, and I don't understand why anyone would think that they don't have enough time to to do that it's just right. it's madness to me and, it, and it's it's really never been tapped into
6: and it, it doesn't solve the problems right but it helps you get to the answers yes you know what I mean it's not going to solve it but it'll help you ask the right questions to get to the answers to see what you fix and that's it's not it's not the end-all but I just think that that more teams should do that maybe more teams do and I did a little Uh, research some of the teams, they have a former player in there, some little special assistant, whatever, like even uh, Hutchinson, Steve Hutchinson for the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. It says football consultant. That's what he does. I'm sure the owner's like, Hey, just come sit with me in my box and tell me what's, what's going on. What do I need to know? I'm guessing that's what it is. And that's not saying they're the, the perfect franchise they are struggling now, but to have somebody around you to make you more football smart to answer questions, to ask questions, and get you more in the right direction of of, of what, what you need to see. Maybe you're not seeing everything correctly.
5: All right, we've got a lot to get to go over. We're going to take your phone calls, 312-644-6767. We're going to give you some, uh, some post-game tape from some of these players, and, uh, and maybe Matt Nagy said something in his 16 minutes. Who knows? We'll find out next. It is the post-game show sponsored by malmedchicago.com. Where a full head of hair
6: scores every time.
11: Yeah, know I, I think the you, you do need to take a little time away. Obviously, uh, you know some of these guys want to get right back into it and and, and get going. But it's, it's been a long season. It's been a long year, and um, you got to go look back, see the areas that you want to improve on, and uh, do everything you can in the offseason to do that.
0: We're back with more of the Scores post-game show with Mully from the Mully and Haw Show and former Bears long-snapping Ironman Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670 The Score, presented by MailMedChicago.com, where a full head of hair scores every time.
5: Oh, yes, indeed. It's the post-game show, and, uh, and you know, that was the voice of... Uh, Of Andy Dalton, and he's talking about uh, Justin Fields and uh, his advice for the postseason. So, okay, that sounds good. Let's get it all out of Andy Dalton before he leaves town. He's up, right? I mean, there's no more Andy Dalton. He'll be looking to be a backup somewhere else. And uh, I believe um, Nick Foles, who they might have wanted to trade, uh, didn't play after winning a game in Seattle. And, okay, you you didn't want to. Start him the final two games of the year. Nonetheless, you're hopefully going to trade him? I don't know.
6: Uh, well, uh, let's say this. Let's say this, Mully. If you, if you can't trade him, what is their relationship like? That's what I want to yeah. know. Well, how do they get along? How, how helpful really is Nick Foles to Justin Fields? What is, what is their relationship like in the film room, on the practice field, you know, in the weight room? Does he push him a little bit or talk about what he's done? Have you ever tried this? What do you need to do to get right? Um that's what I want to know. That's to me is the most important relationship. If you cannot get Nick Foles off the books and that is your guy that's going to be the mentor, the second, you know, his backup. your, your your veteran there working with him, what's that relationship like? Cuz that's very important in my opinion.
5: I agree and, and I don't know what their relationship is like. I did read uh the the biography, the autobiography of, uh, Nick Foles. And he is a very deeply religious guy and he Mm -hmm. is a very good guy from what you could tell, just based on the way that, uh, that he treats other people. He's also a guy that has gone through, you know, some, uh, some real doubts in his own life and his, in his career. And he's overcome some of that and he's been back into it at different times. So it's, uh, it's fascinating to think about their relationship I hope it's good and I hope that
6: and you don't have to be best friends no but hopefully he's a pro's pro and he's somebody he's learning from in that way you don't have to be like a Mitch Trubisky and Chase Daniel it seemed like they got along great he was his mentor and all that kind of stuff I'm just saying you need a guy that's in the building that's doing everything the right way it's not a negative guy being the backup that's supporting you or just kind of helping you navigate how to study film, how to get through weeks to weeks, things like that. That's, that's why it doesn't have to be the buddy buddy thing. just has to be that type of relationship where Nick is truly a pro's pro and he gets to learn to watch him as well, maybe this year and then maybe next year if he is his backup.
5: He mentions Matt Nagy briefly in the book. And the mention Hmm. is when he is signed uh, in Kansas city After uh, after leaving uh, Philadelphia with Andy Reid, he's he ends up in um, Kansas City and he's not sure if he wants to come back or not. And he comes back and um, and Matt Nagy meets him and he does not he's not like they're going to camp and he doesn't know where he's going to live and his wife and Matt Nagy gives him his car. And tells him, "Just take my car. You can use it as long as you want." That is the mention of Matt Nagy in that. And I gotta tell you, like since I read that, I always think of Matt Nagy as a guy that's dying to loan his car out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably goofy, but that's. Did what he I'm give thinking. the car back? He gave it back to okay, him, and I think he me. may have given him gas. But <laughs> uh, but the just the idea that the guy was desperate to have him use his car. Don't yeah. rent a car. You take my car. Uh, let. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just seemed weird. Daniel's on the north side. Daniel, you, you're on the post game.
13: Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, I don't know if it's just governance or arrogance with Nagy where he just keeps thinking that his system isn't the problem. I mean, fourth and one was a perfect example all the times today where he thinks he's going to zig when he zags him and trips over his feet. Just run it up the gut. Don't get clever with it. Now smart yourself. And then the amount of times he just called a screen or a curl route behind the line of scrimmage on third and long. It's like somehow the Bears found the John Shoot reincarnate. I just don't understand how after all these years, the guy can't t- take a look inside and maybe think that maybe my system might be the problem. He's gone through five different quarterbacks, hasn't worked with a single one. And everyone says he's a nice guy. I'm sure he is. I just don't know how he kept the locker room together last year you kind of saw him throw mitch under the bus during that falcon game he got into it with bowls on the sideline both mooney and Wims getting that fight with gardner johnson like just seems no discipline there i sometimes just wonder how much of that really was true and i don't know what goes on in the locker room it doesn't seem as though they explode too much and then with pace he's he's all right, which is the main problem. He's not good. He's not bad. He's Schrodinger's GM where his detractors are going to point to Mitch Trubisky and then Kevin White, but then people will point to Eddie Jackson and David Montgomery where yeah, he hits, makes some picks, but then he also misses so badly. And with him as GM, it just kind of seems that the bears are destined to go either eight and eight or I guess eight and nine or nine and eight. Now it's
6: just, we're going to be
13: just all right. And it just seems that
6: the organization expects us to accept that. Yeah. Well, so I'll say this about Matt Nagy and his offense. And today kind of showed it pretty bad as I think he hurt his next job, hurt for, you know, hurt himself for the next job. That if if you've got all these openings that come out, right, and you you want a new coordinator, is there a head coach that says, man, I got to go get Matt Nagy as my offensive coordinator. So how does, what's his next job? Is it, is it offensive consultant Do you bring him one of those in, like a Tom Herman, something like that? Does he go back down to being a a quarterback's coach? I know he's got the year. He gets one more year, right? He's paid for one more year, I believe. So maybe he takes the year off and does it that way. But what coach can then tell their ownership or their GM, hey, I'm bringing Matt Nagy in as my offensive coordinator?
5: Uh, two, Two people occur to me. Andy Reid, if he wants to bring him in as a, you know, a, but, kind of a. But Andy's
6: the offensive coordinator, right? I mean, right. Really well, Andy's
5: going to so. call his own plays. Yeah, that's yeah, gonna, right. Yeah. But I'm saying he could bring him in. Okay. Yes, um, for sure. And and Doug Peterson, his friend Doug Peterson. Say Doug Peterson ends up getting the Jacksonville job. Could he bring in um, Matt Nagy as sort of not
6: not as a play caller? No, yeah, yeah, that's but, what I mean. He, he'll be, yeah, but he's not. Gonna, I just don't think he's going to ever right. be a play caller soon. Not in the next I, year or two. He wasn't a play caller when he got the job,
5: in my opinion, Patrick. I mean, he had yeah. he had gone one half a season calling plays, and then they fell apart in the playoffs, if you recall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think Kelsey got hurt, and they they had nothing; they yeah. had no counter move, and and uh, and that was that was Matt Nagy as play caller. So I I don't think that um, I I think one of the reasons that he wanted to be the play caller here is because that's kind of how he viewed himself and that's how he got the job finally getting a chance to call plays and 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 that's why he had such a hard time giving it up to the point where even after he gave it up he wouldn't give it up so yep. I, I you know it's very confounding uh that's a it's a really good point and and i don't know what uh, the answer is let's try vaughn vaughn is in indy hey how you guys doing We're good good
14: all right, man, I'm going to get all the way back to Chris's call and give you a little bit more specifics because it kind of went general. So I'm going to do this as so quick as possible. I'm going to bring a little sunshine, position by position. Running back, I think we got thunder and lightning with Montgomery and Herbert. I think Mooney is a great number two receiver. We need a number one. I'm sorry Gallup got hurt. I'm sorry Godwin got hurt. Those are two guys I was going after to replace A-Rod. If Pace isn't back, which I hope he's not, maybe a whole new regime, looks at A-Rob differently. Maybe A-Rob comes at a little bit better discounted rate than he would have because he had such a horrible year. I don't know. If the people aren't around to be mad at, then maybe A-Rob's not mad anymore and we keep rolling like that. Um, As far as tight end, uh, Komet is solid, but he's not spectacular. I think we could use another tight end. And I hate to say this because I know Olin's coming up for the post post, but... His boy Mustafer gets pushed back like those um, boxing dummies uh, on short yardage. And that's part of the problem, why we can't score in short yardage. Because some of it's Nagy running out of the gun. But if we had a center that could get even, you know, the movement of the nose of a football, then maybe we could quarterback sneak. And I think that's kind of, we put a lot on Nagy, but Mustafer gets pushed around like he's on skates. And I'm sorry, he's just not strong enough to be a starter. He's a quality backup. I think Borm's a better natural left tackle than Jenkins. I would would flip-flop them. I'd re-up James Daniels. I love Cody Whitehair. I would uh, get a free agent center or or use our number two draft pick on the center. That pretty much takes care of offense. We need a bunch of receivers. I would re-sign Jacqueen Grant. I would let Charlie Cohen go because they're the same position. Um, As far as on defense, Obviously, you guys know we need secondary. I would let Benal Nichols come back at our price. Um, I like Blackson and those guys. Bring them back at our price. Bring Alex Free back. We're fine with Roquan. I hope we can get one more year out of those two edge rushers. We might be able to get 25 sacks if they stay healthy. So, I mean, I think this is a 10-win team next year, guys, also because we play out of the NFC lease and the AFC lease. And a good predictor of how you will do the next year is when you play bum quarterbacks. And I think we play a lot of bum quarterbacks next year. And I think this team can be a 2 win team. And obviously it starts with bringing in somebody that can accentuate Justin Fields' positives. I'll shut up and let you guys talk.
6: I thought it was a healthy breakdown. I really did. I mean, it's, yep. a, it's, it's, it's a smart stuff. And the one that got me and I wrote down here is A-Rob. The Interesting about the discount. Because there's a couple things as, as going into free agency as a player. You always want to get your highest bid. What will his bid be after this year that he played? And a great point about Nagy and Pace being gone. If they're gone, who comes in? What do they sell them? But can you get him at that discount? Can you get him at the right price? Is that a veteran that maybe you could squeeze another two-year contract out for the right price, keep him around, and that kind of helps your receiving core? I still think you need another one. You need a guy that could potentially be a one. But that's a very interesting point about with Nagy and Pace if they're both gone would he be more comfortable being here? Because there's something about moving. You get in a great city like uh, Chicago, you don't want to move, you don't want to leave it. That's one thing, at least for me, when I started to get up to contract, I'm like, listen, just make me whatever this offer. If you can get me in this range, then that takes away my moving. Obviously, it's a lot lower being a being a long snapper, but you take away moving expenses, all that kind of stuff. And I just right. I, fell, I fell in love with Chicago. And this is a great city to play in. And when you win, it's fantastic. And then the other one, Jakeem Grant. Do you bring him back? My question is this. Does the GM see him as a gadget guy like a Tariq Cohen? Is he can he do that for your offense? Is he I've heard some rumors, I've heard, read some things about in Miami he couldn't pick up the offense, he wasn't right. great at doing all that kind of stuff. If he can do that, I bring him back. I think he's a very dynamic returner. Obviously he's a Pro Bowl player. He deserved it through his time this year with Chicago. Um, but I'm looking at Tariq Cohen's numbers here. What does he have? Two more years on his contract? And the dead money, or the dead money next year, if you cut him, is three and a half, and then one and a half the next year. You got to find out his health. You really, if he, if he's 100% healthy, then that's a decision you've got to make between either re-signing Jakeem Grant or keeping Tariq Cohen, or do you just let him go? That all depends yep. on his health.
5: You know, I honestly, my the thought that went through my head is that I don't know, I don't know how much the offensive philosophy changes. In mm-hmm. other words, I don't know if the player profile of a wide receiver is closer to A-Rob as opposed to a Jakeem Grant slash kind of gadgetry type Mm -hmm. player because it would appear that Matt Nagy would prefer to have the smaller, faster, like kind of speed merchant type guy that you saw in Kansas City than the big receiver like A-Rob who, you know, really didn't find a spot here in this offense, if we're being brutally honest about it, a couple of, of good years, but but not anything like you thought he was going to wind up being, especially this year. It's been a disaster. They haven't used him at all, and maybe mm-hmm. that's partly because of the change at quarterback or it's partly because of the franchise tag and the coach wasn't in love with that style of player. I don't know, but, but that, would, that would inform to me whether you're bringing the guy back or whether you're not bringing him back.
6: Yeah, it it does. I just, I just don't know. It's unfortunate to see, you know, yeah, he was always a leading receiver under Mitch Trubisky, but what would he be like if he was in a, in a, in a Tampa offense with a quarterback, you know, with with an elite quarterback, does he have that skill set? I don't know. So it's, it's truly hard to evaluate him with some of the play that's been here with, with the old O-line play, the quarterback play, all that kind of stuff to, to see if he truly is an A plus quarterback or a one, one plus uh, quarterback receiver, um, I don't know. That, that, that'll be really interesting to see what they do. He is a free agent, correct? He's just under, yeah, he's a free agent next year. So um, a lot of evaluation going on with this team. And it's unfortunate that you've got, you've got too many holes. That's another knock I have on Ryan pace. He's led a lot of holes, you know, he's left with a lot of holes here and and, and wide receiver is definitely one. And in a league today, Molly, it's a passing league. It's a passing league. You don't, that's where, you know, you've got to have those guys and, how are you going to fix that? I don't know. Just hope the next guy can. But if you can get A-Rob at a discounted price, maybe he played himself into a discount, and maybe he does like it here but is not a fan of Nagy and Pace, and you bring somebody in he does like, maybe you keep him. And and
5: I don't like him singling out Sam Mustafer as the problem with the offense. That, oh, well, if you have Sam Mustafer, then you could run on on fourth. You can run on fourth down with Sam Mustafer with anybody else. That That is – you know, let me tell you something about life in the NFL. You can't pay everyone top dollar, yep. and you can't use first-round picks on every player on the team. You've got to have a blend, and you've got to be able to find a guy as an undrafted free agent who can help you. And, and the idea that, well, everything would have been fine if the center had been better, that's just not accurate because if you look around the NFL, you'll see that, that the number one position for first-round picks is the left tackle position. Mm-hmm. That's where you find left tackles. The number one position for undrafted free agents is centers. You can find a center as an undrafted free agent, and there have been some great ones in the league. So I just think that I think you've got to understand the way that you go out and get players. The reason you keep draft picks is because that's the lifeblood of a team. And they've done a terrible job here of keeping draft picks. And if I'm if I'm a head coach looking at this job, I'm wondering, well, why don't they have a first round pick? Why are we limited in the amount of picks we have? Why don't we have more picks?
11: Mm-hmm. Well,
5: because you have a guy that likes to earmark go after one player. <laughs> and then you know what happens? Then even when you fail, when you can't get the one player in, you trade up but you don't like your defensive end, then guess what? go out and buy them. But you have to buy them at the premium cost store. There's Mm -hmm. no free agents that are available that are good without giving up a lot of money. And and so while it's awesome that Akeem Hicks came in here, you also paid a lot of money for Akeem Hicks. While, you know, Robert Quinn had an unbelievable year, you paid a lot of money to bring Robert Quinn in. And that's what people have to understand, that when you don't have draft picks, when you kind of – Keep giving your draft picks away to move up a spot or two, that's going to bite you eventually.
6: Yeah, that, that's really well said, and that's that, that's the problem I have with Ryan Pace that he's put himself in those holes, trading up and and, and the guys trading and then letting those guys go away. But to go back to Sam Mustipher, you can't have five Pro Bowlers across the line. That's just right. not the way it works. And you described that as well very well. Left tackle, I want to be my Pro Bowler, but then I want a guard that is a Pro Bowler. Then you can or a center that's a Pro Bowler. One other guy that's on the on the team that's a Pro Bowler. And you look at most of those teams that have that undrafted free agent at center, they have a dominant guard next to them. They have a really good player next to him that can help them out. Is Sam, can you, can you find a better player than Sam? Sure. You can. Is he an NFL player? Yes. Do I think he can still continue to grow? Yes. Do I, is his ceiling super high? I, I don't know. I don't think so, but he's a guy you can win with, but you also need a dominant guard next to him to help him out a little bit because he is limited. He is right now. He's limited in, in kind of who he is, but, um, I don't think that's the most glaring need on this team right now if I'm evaluating this team. All
5: right, we're going to be right back with your calls. 312-644-6767. You're listening to the postgame. It's sponsored by mailmedchicago.com, where a full head of hair scores every time. I've
6: heard two words from you in terms of your partnership with Ryan. It's been collaboration and conviction, right? And assuming that's completely true, sure. you collaborating. You guys have conviction on all the decisions, yep. draft picks. Free agent signings, other personnel decisions. What do you think that's gone wrong about those things? Even though you had such conviction on those things in the front end, I, I
11: don't, I don't see it that way as as what's gone wrong. I, I actually look at it the other way. I think when you look at what's gone right with the players that we have in this building right now, and since we've been together. I think we all understand that this this isn't something that just happens in one or two years. You know, When you draft a player, it takes a little bit of time to get that player going. And then when you draft a lot of players together, it takes several years. And now all of a sudden you get to the point to where they're rocking and rolling because they're now three or four years into it. And that's where we're at right now. That's what's exciting, is knowing that there's a nice group of young leaders on this team right now that are good football players. And, and so that's probably what you say about the collaboration and communication that we have is that has not changed what Ryan and myself from the very first day. And it hasn't changed us as people. When sometimes adversity can strike, you, you, people start acting different. Ryan's not different. I'm not different. Too much respect. You know, you just you, you, you do things the right way. And I'm, I'm proud of the way that we've handled all of this together and, and, and the players that we've talked about, selected, our personnel department, our coaching staff, all of it. There's a, there's a good thing going here right now. And there's a, there's a really good uh, franchise quarterback that's here that's going to be good for a long time. And uh, both Ryan and I were, were um, a part of that.
0: We're back with more of the Scores post-game show with Mully from the Mully and Haw Show and former Bears long-snapping Ironman Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670 The Score, presented by MailMedChicago.com, where a full head of hair scores every time.
5: Ooh, well, there you have... Uh... There you have Matt Nagy in his news conference. Uh, What's your take there, Patrick?
6: Well, he's proud of proud of uh, his 34 and 31 record, I guess. But no, it's like you're proud of how you handled adversity would be about what I'd say. But this is about wins and losses, that's the that's that's all it's about It's wins and losses, playoff appearances and winning a Super Bowl. I I, I hate when people say the goal is to get to a Super Bowl. No, it's to win a Super Bowl. I've been I've been to a Super Bowl and lost. That sucks. It's not fun. Your goal is yeah. to get to a Super Bowl, but okay, you're proud of how you handled everything. But you've handled adversity. You've handled losing. I mean, it's yes, eight and eight playoff loss. Uh, first year was good, but it's all gone downhill from there. And I don't understand. I guess you're always prideful. Let's say that you're always prideful. Hopefully, you think you did your best job you could do, but it just wasn't good enough. And I'm just, I don't know. It's it's again, that's coach speak of what he's talking about, um, but. Yeah, is he, is he probably, maybe, he's, maybe he's happy about how he dealt with this year, which is a lot of adversity for a first-time head coach, knowing he's going to get fired. But then, like I said, he goes and pats himself on the back for, 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 for drafting Justin Fields. But he's, that's, that's there, open-ended. We'll see. I'm, I'm yeah. hoping he's great, and I'm planning he's great, but we'll see. They were 6-11. and 11. I know. That's 11 losses. First team to ever go 6-11 and 11 in the NFL this year. Wow. Right, aren't they? Because there might be a couple more later this afternoon, but I think they're the first one to go six and eleven.
5: So Got that, that usually that usually translates to a nice uh, draft pick, but that draft pick is not good. this year. So I I just think I think there's a lot there with what he said, and and I, you know, the problem with what he's saying there is he's basically saying that you know they they brought in these draft picks together, and the draft picks are going to be real good. And um, is that – do you buy more time by saying that? You know, he said when he the season started that, well, you know, we have so many guys that have been in this system now three or four years, and then you break it down, and no, you don't. You don't have a nope. lot of guys in their third or fourth year. You, you don't have a lot of player. You brought in a lot of age, a lot of veteran guys mm-hmm. this year, and you don't have – you know, you, your idea was fast at receiver – I don't. I don't know that we ever saw that. To be honest with you, no. throughout the course of the year. So.
6: But that's just, not his offense. That's the other thing. They brought on the speed. They don't throw it deep. No. Okay. They, they can run to the. No. They can run one yard short of the sticks and turn around real fast. That's what they're good at. That's what they did. That's, I mean, that's. That's what I, they I don't. Do. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just we, crazy. We never got to see the speed. I mean, it was no. like today. I think. I think uh, Andy Dalton threw two deep balls. And when you throw the ball deep, you're like, whoa, what's that? That's a whole new play. I haven't seen that in a while.
5: Rob no. is in Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, Rob.
3: The show. Uh, hopefully next year I'll call in and we'll have good things to talk about. But I wanted to ask you about something. Uh, speaking of Maggie kind of taking credit with the Justin Fields thing, Patrick talked about uh, today Andy Dalton, the veteran, making mistakes. And that was most of the fans and I think the league in the offseason before we have addressed it, Justin Fields, isn't Nick Foles – you know, basically the backup veteran that you wanted, and we brought him in last year. They did because he knew our system, couldn't wait to get him in. Then Nick Foles came out, and Trubisky eventually came back and got his job. Now again, I think Nick Foles is very mobile. If he has time, he's better than Andy Dalton. But the whole point is. You got both those guys. Was that more on pace? Was that more on Nagy? Because either way, Nick Foles was still on the team, so nobody understood the Andy Dalton thing. He made a, a, a touchdown interception in the end zone in the first game against the Rams when we had momentum. Justin Fields could have done that. My point is they did the same thing back-to-back. Did anybody ever ask him, well, are you saying that Nick Foles' decision was bad? Because clearly that guy won a Super Bowl, was in a playoff run. I think he's younger than Andy Dalton. I'm not going to say which one's better, but you have basically had the same guy. It's another one of those decisions. If, if Matt Nagy was part of it, he's more to blame than anybody. So I uh, just want to ask you about that. Thanks for uh, taking the calls, so and hopefully next year it will be better.
6: Thanks, Rob. Yeah, just that, that's my question is when they signed Andy Dalton, I'm like, why are you signing the same person that's here already? Did they think Andy Dalton was that much better than Nick Foles? I, that to me again is another miscalculation or a misevaluation by Ryan Pace in the quarterback situation. And that's again, if he's still here, if he's still here tomorrow and still making football decisions in that building, please look at that stuff. McCas- George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, whoever's making the decision. He's missed on so many quarterbacks. And you cannot say that, okay, he lucked into Justin Fields and being able to tr- trade up and get him is the answer. And all you finally got it right after five or six chances. I don't, that's, that, that's, that's a big head scratcher to me too, is that when you signed Andy Dalton, was he really that much better than Nick Foles? It proved to us he is not. I mean, it proved today and it proved most of the season. I,
5: I don't, I don't understand the whole Nick Foles thing. I mean, they, they took on his contract. They they took on a three-year commitment to him to get him out of Jacksonville. They traded a fourth round pick yeah. to do that. And another they Ryan Pace mistake, a, another, a big another big another one, pick, another, tra- another
6: draft pick gone. Yeah. That's right, sorry, to interject,
5: but no yeah. no, I, <laughs> I totally yeah. agree with you, and I'm glad you pointed that out. It just occurred to me that was that was one of the, the whatever um so he comes in here and then you're hearing, oh, you know, maybe the Jets be interested, maybe Philly wants him back, and then there it was like, no, we you know we he didn't want to go there, and we're not going to trade him someplace he doesn't want to go what like why? You're, you're paying him money and you've got him locked in. Why, how, why are you handling it this way? And then, okay, uh, he, he has to play at the end of the year and he goes into Seattle and he wins a game that I would, I would, be, I would wonder, does Andy Dalton win that game? I mean, Nick Foles did pretty well at the end of the game to win that game. We saw Andy Dalton then start against the Giants. And and if you remember last week, we had someone call in and say, you know, this is an example of why Dalton's on the team because Justin Fields (laughs) can't win games. He's 2-10. What are you talking about? Justin Fields would have won that game last week. easily. Nick Foles would have won that game last week. Were they afraid to have a two-game winning streak with Nick Foles in the fold? So I I don't think I understand – why they wouldn't trade him, and if he is the guy that's coming back, why wouldn't they let him try to put a few games together to make him a more uh, credible trade uh, that,
6: partner that, later on? That's a that's a great point. And then this just goes back to we we're, we're going to circle back around. I know we got to make take a break soon or call us up soon, but this goes back to the collaboration in the off season. So their collaboration was okay. Nick Foles isn't good enough. Oops, I'm sorry. I traded a fourth-round pick. I gave him a three-year contract. He's basically untradeable. Hopefully, or I'm sorry. Hopefully somebody will trade for him. Let's go get Andy Dalton. That's the answer. And remember, this is before the draft. This is before Justin yeah. Fields. So they yeah. made this decision before the season, before the draft. This is who they're going to go with. So after you say all that and after we talk about all this, that's on Matt Nagy in my opinion. My opinion, there might be something more going on between him and Nick Foles or yeah. he didn't like the way – he doesn't work for me. I need this guy. Get me this guy, and I will get you your wins you wanted. And again, that's another misevaluation by, I don't know if that's on Nagy's part, making that evaluation, saying I want that guy, or is that on Pace? Pace is the GM. He's the football guy. I don't know, but that just sums up kind of the whole problem with this organization right now with their football operations and just tells me it's time to clean house. Let's get some new direction, completely new blood. Don't get anybody in here that has to answer or talk with uh, Ryan Pace about any of this stuff.
5: It's it's, I couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) Let's try Ben. He's in Skokie. We'll close it out with Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey,
12: how you guys doing? God,
5: Matt and Maggie, that guy's a doofus, huh? Uh, Anyway, um,
12: what do you guys think it would take to get uh, John Harbaugh to come? uh, Or Jim, I always confuse the two, but the one from Michigan, what, what do you think it would take to get him to come to Chicago? What would it be? $18 an hour? Or yeah. uh, someone no, like I, I mean, I
5: listen. There, there, there were hundred million dollar contracts floating around yep. in uh, college football, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we saw what it took to get uh, uh, to to get the, the USC quarterback, the LSU quarterback. Or, or, excuse me, coach. Uh, you bring quarterbacks in with you. Uh, but uh, the coaches are making a fortune in
6: college football. Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker, his, his rival, Tucker. got 90, what, $90, $95 million. Unbelievable. So it's going to take a, a – I almost cussed there – a boatload of money to get Jim Harbaugh. That, that's my answer to that one. All
5: right. We want to thank Brandon Favor for his hard work today. Uh, we should let you know you're going to hear some interviews. You're going to hear some of the noise from the locker room. We're going to give you Matt Nagy. Get a chance to sit down and listen to Matt. And then uh, you'll have uh, Anthony Heron and Olin Krutz in for the post-post game. Can't wait to listen to some of that. Patrick, it's been a joy, my friend. I, I got to tell you, I've had a great time this year working with you. It's, been, it's just been so much fun, and uh, and I appreciate it. And, and you're going to be hearing from me because I need your uh, insight, and I'll be bothering you.
6: Oh, anytime. But I, I think we went 11-6 this year as a, as a pre- and post-game show, and the Bears <laughs> went 6-11. So we're going to the playoffs. <laughs> To go sit on our couch and have a cold beer and watch them. thats how oh, we get to it. do it. I love it. All right, buddy. God bless you. See ya.
5: <laughs> that's great stuff. Thanks again. Stay tuned. The post post game show is right around the corner, and you're going to hear from Matt Nagy.
8: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai.